and uh, we hope that uh, our service will be a blessing to you. So welcome. We're glad to have you uh, with us tonight. Uh, I am going to ask you if you're playing with your dog, your cat, your kids, if you're eating your dinner, drinking coffee, would you set all of that aside just for a moment? Um, I'm going to ask you to uh, pray for pastor tonight and uh, uh, our church leadership. Um, We're going to uh, make some kind of a plan uh, to move forward and uh, to start resuming church at some level in hopes that uh, this quarantine thing is not extended for another two weeks and uh, it should expire I believe a week from this coming Friday if that happens then uh, we want to have a plan in place I I would certainly covet your prayers tonight and um, if not the end of this week first part of next week um, look for some text and email uh, concerning what we will be planning to do and instructions and whatnot about that but I am happy to tell you that we have been working very hard about plans to uh, reopen church uh, to some degree and um, we want to certainly do it in accordance with uh, guidelines and, and all that stuff so just want to let you know that I would appreciate your prayers and um, uh, your encouragement and uh, we're going to do the best we can uh, we're going to do the very best we can in thinking of everyone who is a part of Grace Church so in the next week uh, end of this week first part of next week just Pay attention to your phone, your email account, what have you, uh, because you'll be hearing from Grace Church uh, pertaining to all of that. So thank you very much, and uh, if you're playing with your dog, your cat, you can resume. I'm kidding. We're fixing to start Bible study, and uh, so if you would, uh, take care of the distractions. I want to call your attention tonight to John chapter 3, verse 25, and uh, this is a, an interesting scripture setting and uh, I'd like for you to pay attention to it as we read it tonight there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying and they came unto John this would be John the Baptist and said unto him rabbi he that was with thee beyond Jordan to whom thou bearest witness behold the same baptizeth and all men come to him John answered and said A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. And he that uh, that hath the bride is the bridegroom, and the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoice greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled." And then in verse 30, he said those famous words that we hear often, He must increase, but I must decrease. John was very astute as to his purpose and his calling. He knew what that was. He knew where to start. He knew where to stop. He knew what God wanted him to be, and he didn't try to be anything else. I want to speak to you for a little while tonight about why motivation is relevant, why motivation 
is relevant. I talked to you a couple of Wednesday nights ago about why trials are relevant. Last Wednesday night, I talked to you about why patience is relevant. Tonight, I want to talk to you about why motivation is relevant. I want to ask some very typical questions, but I don't mean for them to be generic. Number one, why do we fast? Why do we pray? And why do we sacrifice? Why do we do that? The motivation behind that, if it's proper, makes it worthwhile. If the motivation behind that is not proper and appropriate, then you're pretty much wasting your time. So the questions to ask when we pray, fast, sacrifice, what have you, is are we seeking the glory of men here? Are we fasting to be seen? Are we fasting to say, to have people say that we're spiritual and we're amazing and that we're close to God? If we are, then biblically, then we can be compared or likened unto the Pharisee because that's what they did. They did their prayer and fasting out on the street corner where everybody could see it. They'd stand on the street corner and moan about how hungry they were and how they were sacrificing for the kingdom and so on. As much as we're tested by trial, as much as we're tested for patience, the same is true for motivation. God wants to make sure, and we need to be sure in and of ourselves, that we're being motivated for the right reason. So the motivation test occurs when God exposes the Christian to inner and outer forces that influence our decision-making process. God will allow voices to speak into our heart and our mind to see what's going to motivate us to do what we do, to see what's going to influence our decision. I want to say, um, especially in times of crises, particularly what we're going through now, if you're listening to the media more than you are the Word of God, then you're going to be motivated and you're going to be influenced by the wrong thing. Your, your mentality is going to be impacted by the wrong influence. Your thought processes are going to be impacted by the wrong influence. I believe there's a climate that's been created in our world, in our country, that's not biblical and it's been done by media and other things. And folks, we have to war against that. We have to battle that. We have to battle that. I can truthfully say that very little of this goes on in my home. Uh, I want my house to be a place of peace and solitude, and I'm not going to fill myself up all day long with all the stuff that the, the media says. And my own personal opinion is I don't believe two-thirds of it anyway. I don't believe we're being told honestly everything that's going on, and I'm not trying to be political, but that's just my opinion. So God will allow, God will expose us as Christian people to inner and outer forces that will influence our decision-making process. I'll be honest with you, when, while looking for a path forward for Grace Church on how to recover from this and get things going on, it's hard to discern sometimes uh, between when it comes to decision-making, should I do what they're saying or should I do what they're saying or should I do what he's saying or that one's saying. Uh, I will tell you honestly today, I spent several hours alone and talking to God. Uh, I had a very up-close and personal conversation with God, and I say that in all due respect. But when it comes to the, the church, the kingdom of God, 
I only want one voice in my ear. I only want to be influenced by one source, and that's God himself. And if God leads us, we're going to be okay. Along the same line, when we're tested along this line, the motivation test will reveal our inner intentions. It will determine what our inner intentions are, what our, what our inner thoughts are. It will, it will reveal what our values are. It will reveal what our priorities are. And that causes us to make certain types of decisions. So again, God will allow us to be exposed to inner and outer forces that will influence our decision-making process. He will also test us to reveal what we have on the inside, what our intentions are, what our thoughts are, what our values are, and what our priorities are. And that will enable us, if they're right, to make the right decision. If our inner heart, our inner mind, is not in alignment with the Word and will of God, then you'll not make the right decision. This motivation test will also discover whether what we do, what we ultimately do based on influence and based on decision, what we ultimately do, it will determine if what we're doing is for our good, for our own selfish gain, for our own selfish sustenance, or for the glory of God, or for the kingdom of God. The motivation test exposes unrighteousness. It exposes unrighteous drives that are hidden deep within our heart. I think all of us have had a lot of time over what this Sunday will be, the, will be eight weeks, two months of living a lifestyle that none of us were prepared for. None of us are comfortable with. But we have had a lot of time to look on the inside of us and to put our own lives and thoughts under a microscope. I think a lot of people have done this with their family. You've, you've spent more time with your spouse over the past two months than you probably have in the past two years. You've had more time to uh, uh, visit with your kids and fellowship with your kids and associate with your kids or your parents or whatever scenario you may be dealing with. I've actually heard from some people that have experienced what I just described. So these, this testing time, this time of trial, is an opportunity not only for God to work with us, but for us to work with ourselves. And if there's unrighteousness on the inside of us, this is a great time to be honest and transparent with God and say, God, motivate me for the right reason. I pray that the influences in our life are right, the decisions that we make are right, and that we're doing it all for the glory of God. You'll understand tonight from the Word of God that Lucifer fell from heaven. What a place he had. Oh my goodness, what a place he had. What an opportunity he was afforded. What a gifting he was given. What beauty he possessed. And he fell from heaven. He failed in heaven. As many times as it's been said, the devil couldn't serve God when there was no devil. And it's interesting to me that what destroyed him was a, a motivation that wasn't proper, that wasn't appropriate. He was motivated 
because he wanted the throne of God. He wanted to be worshipped like God. He wanted God to worship him. And it's interesting to me that when he got kicked out of heaven and learned his eternal fate, that when he tempted Jesus again in the wilderness, some 4,000 years later, he tried it again, telling Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of, of the earth. He can't help it. He's motivated. Uh, he's, he, he, he has some kind of a, a programming that he can't stop. He can't stop it. But you and I, through the power of the Holy Ghost, can live our lives motivated for the right reason, making the right decisions, and being great for the kingdom of God. There's numerous people throughout the scripture that, had, that was motivated for the wrong reason. Korah, in the Old Testament, not long after the children of Israel came out of Egypt, he wanted to be the leader of the people of Israel and lead them back to Egypt. Balaam, the false prophet, was motivated by the riches of Balak. Demas was motivated through loving the things of this world. The Pharisees loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. So if you'll listen to Pastor tonight and understand what you're about to see on your screen, we can do the right thing, but for the wrong reason. Paul said... And this is amazing to me, and I want you to hear me for a few moments. Paul said that there were those in his day that preached the gospel out of envy and rivalry. They were envious of the church across town. They were envious of the pastor across town. They had a rivalry going. They, they considered their neighboring church a competitor. That we have to outdo them, we have to outplay them, we have to outscore them. He goes on to say that they were preaching out of selfish ambition. And their aim was to stir up trouble for Paul virtually everywhere he went. I can't imagine a man of God, a man of God, walking to the pulpit and preaching out of envy and rivalry. They are preaching uh, supposedly preaching a message of peace and love. I want it understood that I'm not here tonight competing with any church. I'm not here competing with any pastor. And I pray for our churches and I pray for our pastors on a regular basis. I want every church to thrive. I want every church to have revival. I'm not interested in preaching the right thing for the wrong reason. So why do wrong motives occur? Why, do, why are people motivated for the wrong reason? Sometimes a person put their own needs first rather than the purposes of God. Sometimes a person puts their own needs first rather than the needs even of other people. And it's tragic when all of this is done in the name of the gospel. It's done in the name of, I'm just working for the kingdom of God. We can do the right thing sometimes but be motivated by the wrong reason. Sometimes people desire to be the center of attention, even at the expense of those around them. They have selfish ambition of acquiring influence, power, or even wealth. They have dreams becoming known or seen and admired by many. 
I've even heard it said that sometimes men will go to the pulpit and say that we're the only ones right and everybody else is wrong. There's problems with improper motivation. The problem with improper motivation, and I believe it even behooves the people of God to to be cautious of these things. Problems with improper motivation is we manipulate people for our own advantage. We mistreat people for our own advantage. We steal glory that belongs to God. We steal glory that belongs to others. We're selfish in our heart and self-promoting in our spirit. We limit our willingness to serve or sacrifice to those areas wherein it will provide us an advantage. Sometimes people are willing to give as long as God repays them for their giving. Got to be sure you're, you're motivated for the right reason. People are willing to serve as long as people notice and give ample praise. People are willing to sacrifice as long as they find an advantage in the sacrifice that benefits them. People are willing to worship as long as they can find fulfillment and blessing in the act of worship. Don't really have anything to do with God. As long as God blesses me, then I'm good with it. Improper motives. Listen to pastor tonight. Improper motives cause us to compromise values that were meant to guide us. Improper motives causes us to be separated from God's presence. Improper motives causes us to be separated from God's favor. Improper motives causes us to be less than what we could be with God's favor. Improper motives causes us to be doomed to temporary successes that will not be seen in eternity. Improper motives can cause us to be doomed eternally after judgment. Folks, we have to be sure. We have to be sure. I'm asking you to take this time, hopefully the next week and a half or so, that this quarantine thing remains and we start getting our lives back to normal. We still have to make sure that we're right with God. This is why we encourage you to pray at home. We, wor- we want to worship at home, sing at home, have church at home, because we have to be motivated for the right reason. The advantages of a proper motivation is that God is glorified by our actions. God gets the glory. God's purposes are fulfilled in this earth. People are blessed by our actions and our attitude. Our heart and spirit is pure and untainted. Our, our blessed future in God is assured. That's the advantage of proper motivation. Acceptable motives is that I am motivated by the desire to be pure in heart. I'm motivated by the desire to be obedient. I'm motivated by the duty of being a servant. I'm motivated by the desire to glorify God. And in our, in our scripture reading tonight, when the disciples of John were questioning him, bottom line, what he was telling them is this isn't about me. Yes, I was called to prepare a way for the Messiah. But John the Baptist's attitude, John the Baptist's spirit, John the Baptist's posture was just simply this. He was glad just to hear the voice of the bridegroom. It didn't matter to him who baptized who and why. He was just glad to know that the Messiah was here, that the kingdom of God was moving forward, 
that the purpose of God was being done in this earth, that there's about to be a Calvary and there's about to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost and there's about to be a church established. That's what John the Baptist was after. He could have opposed Jesus. He could have realized that I've got this massive following of people and they adore me and they think I'm wonderful and they think I'm great and they they think I'm powerful and I can do all this stuff and I hear from heaven and I, I hear from God. That wasn't his attitude. And when Jesus came on the scene, he gracefully, with amazing attitude. You have to understand about John the Baptist. Jesus made it clear there was not another on the planet like John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was born, God broke that mold, if you will. Nobody was ever called before nor since to do what John did. Nobody was given that privilege and responsibility to lead Israel in literally an about face. I believe what he did was spiritually greater than what Moses did leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. You have to understand that Israel had been mired into the law of Moses for an excess of 1,500 years. It was his job to change that. And he did. He did. And his amazing, humble attitude was given, could be given credit to his motivation. He understood his purpose, and that's what motivated him. And when his purpose was done, he gracefully stepped aside. He was said, I'm just glad to hear the voice of the bridegroom. I'm glad to know who the Messiah is. I, I'm thankful I know who I'm turning all of my followers over to. He's going to do more for them than I ever could. He spent his life pointing others to Christ. He continually pointed the Jewish people to Christ. He, he was willing to lose his life. Not only in death, he gave up all of his influence. He gave up his income. He gave up everything. John the Baptist ultimately died alone. Nobody there to mourn his death. And there was nobody to do a nice eulogy about how great he was outside of Jesus. And he died alone under the mistreatment of jealousy. The Pharisees couldn't handle such a man in their religious climate. All he was trying to tell the people was there's one coming after me. John the Baptist somehow was able to stay pure in what motivated him. He never got convoluted with his calling. He never got crossways with his purpose. He stayed true. And because of it, Jesus called John the Baptist the greatest prophet that ever lived. And really and truly, If he was a prophet and you want to compare him to Elijah and Elijah and some of the other great prophets, I don't know that he raised a whole lot of dead people and laid hands on people and they were cleansed of leprosy and the lame walked in the blind sea and all that kind of stuff. All he did was preach a simple message of repentance and baptize people just for symbolism just to show them that there's one coming after me that's going to baptize you again with something greater 
than I've given you. What an attitude. What a spirit. So in conclusion tonight, God gives us this test and motivation to reveal what's in our heart, to reveal what's in our mind. So I'm going to ask you tonight, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm praying, I know you are, that perhaps this quarantine thing is about over and maybe we can get back to some semblance of normal. At least have a few of you come to the house of God, a few of you come at a time, and we'll rotate that around. But when we come back, may our motivation be true. May it be pure. We've been tried. We've been taught patience. Now let us be motivated to see the kingdom of God work. Maybe we realize what's important now. Maybe we can truly realize what priorities should be. You'll have to admit, you'll have to agree that pastors taught and preached through the years about keeping priorities right, keeping attitude right. And I know this year I preached real hard about it. I taught some Bible studies about it. You really didn't know how to take it. You really didn't know how to appreciate it maybe until now. You know that your money's not a whole lot of good right now, per se. Can't hardly go to the doctor. Hospitals has been pretty much taken away from a lot of people. You can't even go inside unless something major's wrong with you. We found out what it's like to have all of our, what we think is priority stuff and important stuff, pretty much taken away or frozen. So it's given us some time to think. And I want to stand in this pulpit every time I come to this pulpit. I want to be honest. And I want to be pure in my thoughts. I want to be pure in what's motivating me. I want you to come the same. Let's pray together. Father, we love you tonight. We're thankful for this amazing time together. I'm asking you with all of my heart as I did today to guide our thoughts. But God, I pray that no matter what happens in the future, no matter what level of church we come back to, that everybody at Grace Church will at least believe that pastor's motivated for the right reason. We're not here to play favorites. We're not here for accolades. We just want to see the kingdom move forward. And I pray, God, today, whatever you choose to do and however it all comes down, that you'll guide our footsteps, that we'll know a path forward, that we'll have peace in our heart about it. It's not going to be easy. There may be some, a little bit of sacrifice in the future for some of us. But I pray, God, no matter what it takes, that we're willing to, to make those sacrifices, not for a pat on the back, not for an attaboy, but just because we want to see the kingdom of God move forward. We want to see your church be everything that it can be. We pray for Grace Church tonight. Pray for everyone that's a part of this church. Pray, God, for our families. Pray for their jobs. Pray for their money, their finances, their domestic life. When they're at home with their families, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord is in their house. Pray, God, that you'd bless Grace Church. Pray that you'd bless all the churches in our area. Bless our pastors. And I pray, God, that we can all be motivated for the right reason. Bless our, our endeavor. Bless our work. Bless the time that we spend. And I pray with all of my heart that it's all done for the glory and the greatness of your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for being with us.
Don't get used to these short Bible studies. I'm not going to make no promises. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you Sunday.